We are up to mitzvah number 24. This is going to be a little bit of a more obscure, I would imagine, uh, unknown, esoteric mitzvah that most people are probably unfamiliar with. And it's the laws of the Tichum Shabbos. Tichum means like the boundaries of Shabbos. Now, as you would imagine, if you look at the Torah, there's many, many references to Shabbos. Already at the beginning of the Torah, the very first chapter ends with the seventh day of creation, which is the day where God ceased to create, which is a creation on its own. And later on, of course, the Ten Commandments, we read about the, uh, about the Shabbos and it appears many, many times throughout the Torah. But in actuality, when you count the amount of mitzvot that relate to Shabbos, you only have five. And they are to rest on Shabbos, to not do work on Shabbos. And of course, there's many categories of work, as we shall see when we get to that mitzvah soon. But that's it's one mitzvah. The 39 categories of work are all included in one mitzvah. Not to punish on Shabbos. So if you have a Jewish court, the Jewish court is not allowed to meet out punishments on Shabbos. This current mitzvah, the mitzvah 24, not to leave the boundaries of the Tchum Shabbos on Shabbos. And finally, to do Kiddush, to sanctify uh, Shabbos, which we do at the beginning of the meals with the Kiddush. Today, we're going to focus on the mitzvah number four of those five, mitzvah that appears in chapter 16 of the book of Exodus, and that is to not leave the domain, the boundaries of the Tchum Shabbos on Shabbos. And now this appears... In chapter 16 of Exodus, where we read about the manna, the entire chapter is dedicated to the manna. It's right after the Exodus, right after the splitting of the sea, the Jewish people are traveling, and they run out of food. And they start complaining, and the Almighty gives them amazing food. At night, there's quail. In the morning, there's this very strange-looking food. And they look at it, and they don't know what to do with it. And Moshe tells them, well, this is the food that the Almighty gives you. Everyone gather what you need and uh, bring it home. And everyone, some people brought a lot, some people brought a little, but everyone ended up with the same amount. They didn't know what to do with it, but they cooked it, they 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 baked it, and they they ate it. And this, of course, became the manna. And then on Friday, there was a double portion. And Moshe tells the Jewish people, okay, now you have a double portion on Friday because tomorrow there's not going to be any manna. And you take today for today and for tomorrow, and then Sunday will be the next delivery of the manna. And therefore, don't go out on Shabbos to the fields to look for the manna because you won't find it. And of course, there were a few people that did it. They went out and Hashem said to Moses, how long will you refuse to observe my commandments, my teachings? See that Hashem has given you the Shabbos. This is why he gave you in the sixth day a two-day portion of bread. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man leave his place on the seventh day. And the people rest on the seventh day. And then it concludes, the chapter concludes where Moshe tells Aaron to take a vial of this manna and to put it for safekeeping, even though they can eat the manna for 40 years in the desert. Uh, many centuries later, the Jewish people are going to be complaining and one of the leaders of the Jewish people is going to pull out that vial and see, look, you know, when the mighty wants to take care of us, he's got plenty of food for us. You don't have to worry about anything. But this is the critical verse for our purposes. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man leave his place on the seventh day. Now, the Rambam, which is the numeration of mitzvahs that we're following, according to the Sefer Chinuch, he understands this to be a biblical 
prohibition not to leave your place on Shabbos. According to other opinions, like the Ramban and Rashi, they say no, that the laws of the Tchum Shabbos are rabbinic, and what it's talking about uh, over here is something else. It's not the, the, This is not a biblical commandment. This is only a rabbinic commandment. Regardless, the actual nature of the laws are the same, but this is the another instance that we see where there is a mitzvah that's going to be included in our counting of 613 that's not going to be universally accepted. In fact, already in the Talmud, there's a debate amongst the sages in the Talmud. Is it rabbinic origin? Is it biblical origin? In in the Babylonian Talmud, in the Jerusalem Talmud, it's a whole discussion in the Talmud. What is the origin of this mitzvah? Can we take this verse, verse 29 of chapter 16 of Exodus, and derive from it a biblical prohibition? Or no, this is not a biblical prohibition. All the laws of the Tchum Shabbos are rabbinic. So what does that actually mean to not leave your place on Shabbos? So from a biblical perspective, this would mean that you're not allowed to leave 12 mil. The word mil is probably etymologically related to the word mile. It's not quite a mile, but it's a certain distance that's found in the Talmud. 12 mil, which is roughly, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little bit less. It's around eight miles or so. Uh, that would be uh, from the place where you are in Shabbos. You can't leave out beyond that point. However, from the rabbinic perspective, it's 2,000 amas. And amas is another measurement that appears in the Talmud. It's a cubit. It's the length of someone's elbow to the end of their fingertips, roughly 21, 22 inches, depends upon which system you follow. Uh, but roughly around two feet, so 2,000 amas is around 4,000 feet, not quite a mile. Miles 5,280 feet. So something like that. It's a little bit less than a mile. So from a rabbinic perspective, which again, that's the de facto halacha, you're not allowed to walk beyond your place of dwelling 2,000 amos, which equals about 0.6.7 miles. Now why? What's the reason behind this? Before we get to the more general outlines of this rule, says the Sefer Chinuch that we should remember and we should know that the world has a creator, and the world has not been around forever. And the general mitzvah of Shabbos is to remember that he might have created the world in six days and rest on the seventh day. And therefore, in order for us to remember that, we should rest in one place. We should stay in one place for Shabbos. We could leave, but only as uh, only within close distance to our home base, not to go for a very long stroll because that would make us forget about this principle that Shabbos is a day of rest. And to remind us of of creation. That's the general introduction that 12 mils, so around 6 miles out of your dwelling place, you can't walk on Shabbos. However, from the rabbinic perspective, that's much less, about 0.6, half a mile, a little more than half a mile, you can't walk out of your dwelling place. However, what is considered a dwelling place? This is where it gets tricky. In fact, there's an, almost an entire book of Talmud the most confusing and obscure and arcane book of Talmud, the most difficult one to study, the book of Erevin, that deals a lot with this mitzvah and its various laws. And again, it's a law that's not very well known and it's very complicated. But the general outline is like this. Your place of dwelling is, if you are alone in the desert, four amos in each direction. So your the Shabbos starts. Where are you when Shabbos starts? Okay, four amos in each direction. That's your place of dwelling. And therefore, you could walk in every direction from that base point, 2,000 amos, 0.6 miles. So you'd have 0.6 miles to the north, to the south, 
east and west and all directions around from where your four Amos are. However, what if you start Shabbos and you're not in a desert, you're in a house? Well, then your four Amos, your base is the whole house or maybe even the yard that surrounds the house. What if the house is very large, it's a mansion? Well, that is all considered your base of dwelling and therefore you have 2,000 Amos in each direction from where that base is, from that point of dwelling. Well, what if you're not just in a house, you're in a city. You're in a house, then there's a lot of houses next to you. Then that city, the entire city, even if it's as large as Ninveh, says the Rambam, even if it's a huge, sprawling metropolis, if it's all considered one big city, that whole city is your foramus. And therefore, beyond the boundaries of that city is you have 2,000 Amos in each direction. And this is where it gets difficult. Okay, so what's a city? A city is a minimum of six homes, places of dwelling, that are close to each other. Meaning if you live in a very rural area, it might be considered one zip code or one city. But if the houses are too far away from each other, Therefore, they cannot unite and coalesce to create a halachic city, and therefore all you would have is 2,000 amos from your base point, which is your house. And therefore, if your neighbor lives beyond 2,000 amos in a rural area, you won't be able to walk to your neighbor on Shabbos because that would be going beyond the boundaries and you'll be transgressing at least the rabbinical portion of this prohibition to not leave your place of dwelling on Shabbos. And this could extend uh, bigger. If there is contiguous a contiguous city, and even though you might go from, let's say, Houston, and then right next door it's Bel Air, and then, I don't know, it's Pearland and Sugarland, it's it's all different names of cities, but halakhically they might be considered one huge contiguous city, and therefore you could walk 2,000 almost beyond the furthest extents of that city because that whole city is considered your place of dwelling, your base at the beginning of Shabbos. So the, there are a few other elements about the city, uh, about a city that could tamper with its halakhic definition as one city. So for example, on the positive side, to enlarge the city, if you have a city that's a little bit misshapen, it's not a perfect grid, you may be able to square off the city. And even though let's say, let's, let's say the city is shaped like a diamond. You may have to, you may be able to include in the halakhic boundaries of the city an entire square that would include a lot of parts that are uninhabited, but because the halakhic city is squared off and therefore the furthest north point, the furthest south point, the furthest east point, the furthest west point, all they, those four points create the boundaries of the cities and it becomes a square or a rectangle, but it gets squared off. And therefore, you would have 2,000 almos beyond that. So therefore, you could actually walk a lot more than 2,000 almos. It depends on how the city is structured. That may be included in the part of the city. And you also may have a situation where one municipality or one named city, but it may have halachic breaks within it, and there may be halachic cities within one city that may bifurcate between 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 city A and city B, even though it's considered all one city, it's one zip code, it's one city, and therefore you may have a problem even depending on how the houses are set up and how they're all designed where uh, you might run into a problem even within one city. So that's where it gets confusing, especially it's problematic in more rural areas where there's a lot more empty land, a lot fewer structures. Now, this is where it gets quite problematic is that if someone – 
walks beyond the Tchum. So they've, they made a mistake. They walk beyond the Tchum. So they go to the edge of the city and they have 2,000 Amos in each direction and they walk 3,000 Amos. And then someone, and then someone calls out to them, screams out to them, you know, dude, you're behind the Tchum. They're actually halachically obligated to stay within that space, within the space of where they find themselves for the duration of Shabbos till Shabbos is over. So therefore, if they're in a house, like they walk to a house, they cannot leave the house for the duration of Shabbos. If they're not in the house, well, then they have eight Amos. Uh, they they have like the, their living space. That's where they have to stay for the rest of Shabbos unless – there's something of great need, unless it's dangerous, or there's bad weather, or they need to go to the bathroom, or there are some instances where they may be allowed to move, but for the most cases, they'd be frozen in place for the duration of Shabbos, and this is a rabbinic edict to make sure that people are not lax with respect to the whole subject of the Tchum, of the Tchum Shabbos, the boundaries where someone's allowed to stay on Shabbos, and therefore they added these restrictions that, that would freeze people in place. Not only are they, if someone goes beyond, are they transgressing a prohibition, but they get penalized, so to speak, by not being allowed to move. Another another wrinkle in this law is what's called the Eruv Tehumim, which is a way to manipulate the exact parameters of the Tchum. So again, I have my base, which is my four Amos, or the structure that I'm in, plus I have 2,000 Amos in each direction, the base that I am in could be a whole city. It could be a house. It could be just, if I'm alone, it could be just me and my four Amos in each direction. Now, it gives me 2,000 Amos to the north, 2,000 Amos to the south. Suppose my neighbor that I want to visit is 4,000 Amos to the north. So he's beyond my tomb. He's beyond the boundary where I'm allowed to walk. I'm allowed to walk 2,000 Amos, not 4,000 Amos. But I do have 2,000 Amos in the south, right? If I can only find a way to take those 2,000 Amas that are in the south and move them to the north, that would be amazing, right? And then I'll have 4,000 Amas from me to my neighbor and I'll be able to go there, visit him on Shabbos, right? So there is a way for me to do that. There is a way for me to kind of alter my center point that it should be between me and my friend, 2,000 Amas between us, and therefore I'll have 2,000 Amas to the north and to the south of that middle point, meaning I'll be able to walk from my house to his house on Shabbos. How do I do that? I do that with what's called an Erev Tchumim. The word Erev can mean a lot of things, but in this context, it means where I halachically create my center point in the middle. And the way I do that is by depositing food for Shabbos, which is, of course, you know, where a man is where a man eats. And therefore, if I put my food there, then I could kind of change my base point from my house to where the food is, and therefore I'll have 2,000 Amos to the north and to the south of that point, meaning my house where it is today is at the southern tip of my 2,000 Amos in the south. My my center point is in the middle, and therefore I have north of that 2,000 Amos and I can walk from my house to my neighbor's house. Meaning I could transfer through this loophole I could transfer the 2,000 Amas that I have to my south. I could add it to the 2,000 Amas I have to my north and therefore create a contiguous, allowable, walkable space by moving the 2,000 Amas from the south to the north and creating a path for me to reach my friend.
I shift my 4,000 amas from centered where I am, where my house is, to center where that, where my new house is, so to speak. And therefore, I'm allowed to walk from my house to the neighbor's house. However, by doing that, by moving it to the north, I'm actually forfeiting it from the south. It's not like I get extra amos. I just, I'm transferring them by moving my centerpiece, my center, my center point from my house to this point to the north. So I could, let's say, move it a thousand amos. And then I'll forfeit a thousand amos to the south. And then I'll have three thousand amos to the north or whichever direction I want to move it to. But the point is, is that my base of operations, which is the center from which I have two thousand amos in each direction, I can manipulate that by creating the air of Tehum. It doesn't add more, more, more distance where I can walk, but it does shift where that center point is and therefore where the distance of where I can walk, uh, can extend to. I want to end with one interesting teaching in the Talmud, in the Mishnah, in Rosh Hashanah, about this halacha, an interesting halacha, uh, because we know, as we mentioned on Mitzvah 4, I believe, there is the Mitzvah of sanctifying the new moon. And then you would have instances where witnesses would see the new moon on Shabbos, and they would walk to Jerusalem to convey the testimony to the Sanhedrin, to the high court that day on Shabbos to tell them that today's Rosh Chodesh. So, of course, there's a problem. If you live in a different city, you can't walk beyond the boundaries of your city on Shabbos because of this problem of the Tchum Shabbos where you're not allowed to walk beyond 2,000 Amas. However, the sages uh, waived this halacha because, again, to accomplish one thing and the only way to accomplish that one thing is if you negate the other thing, Sometimes under certain circumstances, you'd be allowed to negate thing B to facilitate thing A. And in fact, even if this would entail desecrating the Shabbos, this would be one of the few instances where a mitzvah would override even something as severe as Shabbos, as desecration of Shabbos. However, the Mishnah asks the question, what happens after the witnesses come to Jerusalem. So, yes, they, they desecrated Shabbos on the way to Jerusalem, but now they arrived to Jerusalem, they gave the testimony, the vital testimony that was needed, and they have done their job. Well, what now? Now, they're still beyond their Tchum Shabbos, so they would need to be frozen in place for the duration of Shabbos, or at least limited to the facility, to the venue in which they're located. They can't move for the duration of Shabbos. So the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah, chapter 2, Mishnah 5, says that there was a large courtyard in Jerusalem where all the witnesses from all the cities would gather and that's the place where they would be that cross-examined, interrogated, to have their testimony evaluated. And they would have lots of food there, lots of provisions taking care of all the guests. But what happens when it will be on Shabbos? They would not be allowed to leave that facility for the duration of Shabbos because that would be a violation of them because, because they've walked beyond their Tchum Shabbos, but beyond the boundaries of where they're allowed to go on Shabbos, that would be a violation for them to leave that building. However, Rabbi Gamliel, who was the Nasi, he was concerned that this restriction would keep people from coming to Jerusalem to testify. You know, people, you, you get, uh, what's it called? Cabin fever. People get cabin fever. If I come to, to, it's Saturday morning. I just made a long walk from my town. I arrived and now I'm in Jerusalem and I have to stay in this one place for the whole Shabbos. I can't go to pray. I can't go to visit my friends. I can't go to anything. 
ah, you know what? I'm just going to go back to sleep. I'm not going to go to Jerusalem to give the testimony of the new moon. That was the concern. And therefore, Gamliel made a rule that when someone travels to Jerusalem or to a new city in order to give the testimony of the new moon, that considers, that makes it as if they are retroactively part of this city all the way going back to the time of the beginning of Shabbos. So it's as if they were in the city from before Shabbos, and therefore they're considered like members of the city that they're allowed to not only walk in the whole city on Shabbos, but a lot of walk to as an almost outside the city as if they are a resident of that city, as if the, this was their base of operations for the duration of Shabbos, as if they were here in Jerusalem at the beginning of Shabbos, even though they only walked to Jerusalem on Shabbos. But because they did that to, to facilitate a mitzvah, they're allowed to be included as if they're a resident of the city, and they have 2,000 almas in each direction beyond the city walls. Not only that, there were five other instances where he granted that new edict. Uh, if a woman is a, like a doula or a midwife, and she leaves the city to go help a woman have a baby in a different city. So that will be something she allowed, she's allowed to do because, of, after all, it's a, a case of a medical need. And therefore, she'd be allowed to even desecrate the Shabbos in order, in order to facilitate that, not only go beyond the Tchum Shabbos, uh, desecrate actual capital offenses of Shabbos. But once she's there, she's considered as if she's a resident of that city and she's allowed to walk not only throughout the borders of that city, but she does an almost in each direction in that city. In addition, if someone goes to save, someone sees a fire, God forbid, in the neighboring town, so they run over to try to help save save people. Or they see a, an invading army. Or they see a tsunami coming and sweeping into a neighboring city. Or they see there was an earthquake and there's collapsed buildings. So again, there's a case where they're traveling outside of their tchum, going to another city's tchum, another city's boundaries, on Shabbos in order to try to save a life. That would render them, once they're there, once they've completed their task, they're considered for the rest of Shabbos as if they're resident of that city. And they're allowed to walk not only throughout the whole city, but to an almost direction beyond the city as if they were a resident of that city. So here we go. This is chapter 16 of the book of Exodus, an interesting mitzvah that most of us probably weren't as familiar with. And even when we talked about it, we gave just the basic outline as is our goal in this project in trying to gain mitzvah literacy. The laws of the Tchum Shabbos where someone is on Shabbos, where they are at the beginning of Shabbos, and where they're allowed to go for the duration of Shabbos. They have their space, which is their four amos, or their house, or their city, and two thousand amos in each direction, which may be manipulated with a Erev Tchumim.